Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayo. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. So in this roundtable discussion, I am joined by my sister Kay. We're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion around Captain America Civil War. We're going to spoil that movie, pretty much the entire Marvel cinematic stuff, uh, maybe Batman versus Superman, who knows. We, we may cover a lot of ground, uh, including some of the Civil War stuff from the comics and things of that sort. We've just finished uh, seeing the film in the theater. We are sitting in the car recording, just because we saw the theater near where I work and I live on the other side of town. Just it gives us faster turnaround time on these episodes. But this was a about a two and a half hour film. Yeah. And maybe a little longer. And it covered a lot of ground. It did. It uh I was surprised by how much story there was. It felt very fulfilling. It was good. I was thinking I should have rewatched uh the second Avengers film mm. more recently. We did the the Iron Man films, and of course, I've seen Avengers too. Well, and I was grateful we had done the uh, Iron Man films. Mm -hmm. It put Tony's side of things very much into perspective, and there's a different rationale in this than the comics for why there's the what they call the uh, Sokovia Accords or whatever mutant or the uh, the superpower registration act or whatever superhuman registration act is what it was in the comics well this need for government oversight of superheroes who come in cause a lot of damage and destruction and then leave well and that was the exact crux of the thing in the comics it was just the the incident that kicked it off was almost fabricated for that story in the comics mm. as if they hadn't had massive destruction before yeah. Whereas just this fell out in the movies fell out of the the stories they've been telling. Yeah. So I was I was pleased with that. I thought they did a good job on that. The one thing and I get why it was this way and it almost had to be this way was this was another film of heroes fighting heroes. Yes, very much so. And in fact the toy I came out of this wanting is I want a cap shield. Mm -hmm. And for the stand I want it slammed oh. into. <laughs> How do you know what I want? You you want the the chest plate for Tony's armor? Yeah, with the cracked arc reactor thing. That's something they couldn't sell just yet because it's a big spoiler. <laughs> but is that not perfect? Eh. <laughs> it was. They had some good fights between um, Iron Man and Cap. Uh, there were a few things like the car chase earlier when. Bucky is getting chased by Cap and uh, Black Panther that I'd seen the commercial. Oh, okay. I mean, the car commercial. Oh, that's funny. So some of that, you know, I kind of knew was coming. Bucky's arm is amazing. Nothing tears that arm off. When he was using it in one of the early fight scenes as like a, the bulletproof shield. Yes. You know, it was, uh, it was a very hilarious twist on kind of the bullets and bracelets thing from Wonder Woman. Yes. And just once, you you know, whoops, wrong arm, damn it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I mean, he, he seems to kind of catch a motorcycle with it. He's standing there sort of pivoting as mm -hmm. he's turning the motorcycle so he can hop on it. 
And I'm thinking, how fast is that motorcycle going? How heavy is that motorcycle? And the arm just kind of takes the yank and spins with it. And all is fine because that's an amazing arm. But this comes down to kind of the, the $6 million man conundrum. Well, that- The arm is strong, but the rest of the body, $6 million man would be. But yes. with, with the Winter Soldier, sure, the arm could take that, but it's on a regular human body. That amazing arm also housed his trigger finger. That was the arm he used for the gun, because that must be his dominant arm for the actor. So I'm just thinking he uses it for the heavy lifting as mm. well as the fine-tuned work. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which, to me, it was just kind of funny. It was, yeah, it was well used. Um, no explanation, really, even in Winter Soldier, as to who built the, the tech for the arm or any of that stuff. Well, we got an implication, at least, of where his serum came from. So we might imply or draw from if the serum is a Stark creation. Fair enough. Well, and the stuff this time looked to be kind of the, the blue alien stuff from uh, that we'd seen in an earlier uh, season of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, we're still only about halfway through uh, season three of S.H.I.E.L.D. So if they've done more with that since, don't know. This will probably have some repercussions on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there were some good fight scenes, some good action choreography. It was just hero on hero violence. Yeah, there was, well, there was one scene where you've got, I think, five heroes facing off with six heroes. And I'm looking at this going, there's not a single villain in this scene. There's no room. And we're about to have a major fight. And it's, how can this end in a satisfying way for this fight scene? Well, the fight scenes, I was usually very satisfied with everything from the one in the beginning that kind of kicks off the crux of the they need to be you know uh, uh, have oversight to the airport one but when we get to the the bunker at the end i was really expecting the other five winter soldier types to be the 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 russian um i forget what they call the group in the comics but there's dark star crimson uh soldier i mean there's a a russian group and it's like well maybe it's them and then we could actually get some some super villains in the movie yeah but i mean when would you have had time to do anything with them true i was shocked that i was happy or satisfied with how the airport fight ended mm -hmm. i didn't see them coming out of a 11 heroes fighting scene with me thinking okay i'm good with how this ended what I liked about that scene is it was balanced around all the different characters. They each got their moment in the spotlight uh, a couple of times. It didn't feel like it's, geez, it's it's just Cap and the others are kind of somewhere in the background. I liked what distracted Vision mm -hmm. and kept him from making sure his aim stayed true. I liked how Falcon reacted to not getting hit. Well, and then Cap's reaction to that kind of, a th or not Cap, Iron Man's. With the, the repulsor blast. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of character moments in that whole sequence. Uh, everything from, from Ant-Man had some, some great use. Mm -hmm. The bit when um, Hawkeye is going to shoot the arrow and Ant-Man's on the end of it. Yes. That's straight out of a comic cover. And, I mean, a lot of that stuff was great fun. Yeah. I mean, it's clear they, they understand the characters they understand the source material. They're paying homage to it in some places, and but not being strictly beholden to it in ways that would that would uh, limit them. You know, this 
Black Panther was very much in the tone and style of the comics and stuff, but was also uh, his own character. Mm. Um, the Everett Ross character uh, that Martin Freeman from Sherlock played actually came out of one of the runs of Black Panther. Oh, okay. Uh, it was a different take on the character here than there. Um, the nominal bad guy of uh, Helmet Zero, um, Zemo, sorry. Um, I mean, that's that's Baron Zemo from the comics, kind of, sort of. Different origin in the comics. There's been, you know, uh, two or three Zemos uh, going back to World War II and stuff. Mm. So for him to have an origin that is related as much to the Avengers as, uh, versus just Cap was kind of interesting. Um, in the comics, uh, over the last few decades, he's probably best known, uh, Zemo, as the leader of the Thunderbolts at various times. Um, and, and showing up there. And this was, a, a again, a thinking villain. Mm-hmm. But a, a, a evil mastermind, not a supervillain. Yeah. Really, the closest thing we got to supervillain was Crossbones, uh, Rumlow. Yeah. And even that was just kind of tangential. Yeah. But it was a nice carryover from the Winter Soldier film to kind of kick this off. And I also liked how it tied in with the end of the uh, Age of Ultron with Cap's got this group of Avengers he's working with. Yeah. You know, so it it, it had a very strong feel of, of a, a continuity and a timeline of the cinematic universe. And... I mean, they've spent many years, many movies building this up, but part of why it's successful and why it's so fun is each time they're adding just a little bit to it. We get some character growth for the vision in this. Mm-hmm. We get some implied story of what had happened with Hawkeye between the films. He's back. Okay, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they this really introduced Spider-Man into the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. I gotta say, I like this Spider-Man. I like this Spider-Man. It's a young Spider-Man. I think that works. I liked how we got introduced to Peter Parker before we got Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I was a little afraid uh, from the trailers and stuff that I'd seen that we would get most of the way through the film. The airport fight scene would be the, the big major battle at the end. Mm. And then you'd get the hay under ruse and Spider-Man pops in. You know, that kind of a deal. So it, it played out very differently than I was expecting based on the trailers, which is good. Mm-hmm. You know, and we got uh, more of him in there than I would have expected. And I loved the end credits scene, um, you know, kind of teasing the, the next Spider-Man film without really revealing anything about it. And we get Aunt May, we get Peter, uh, which we had already seen in this film. Um, but it was some nice callbacks to the fight scene of, you know, Steve had this friend. He was huge, kind of a... Steve from Brooklyn. Yeah, from Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that the studios are, are playing nice uh, these days uh, in the Marvel stuff because bringing Spider-Man into the fold is, is cool. Um, if they can get to where they can do that with the X-Men characters and, and Deadpool and some of those, I, part of what made the Marvel Universe work back when it was starting was the cross-continuity. Mm, mm-hmm. Spider-Man showing up in the Fantastic Four, you know, one of the X-Men's joining the Avengers, and that kind of thing. And that's the same sort of cross-continuity that they've been doing to build up this this universe of films versus just, okay, there's the Iron Man films, there's the Cap films, never the twain shall mix. Yeah. And with DC, 
seeing this so soon after Batman Superman, where it's a hero versus hero kind of a thing, um, the difference is DC had one prior film to, to really build off of in that universe, um, whereas they've had, what, uh, a dozen or more of the Marvel stuff. Well, even if you take the theme of people are afraid of powers they don't understand and can't control. Whether they can understand them or not, the fact they can't control them is a reason to be afraid of them. Yeah. I mean, it's a reasonable fear. And that theme is in both movies. Mm -hmm. But to me, it came across better and was handled better and was not as dark and depressing in this movie. It, you know, it's funny you mention that because definitely the same theme. This one, we'd seen the prior stories that built up to all of this. You know, the various, uh, the Battle of New York, that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of very personal aspects of this. You know, uh, the death of Tony's parents, what's going on with the Winter Soldier, you know, things of that nature. Um, and while we get a funeral here, like we did in, in Batman versus Superman, you're right. This is a much lighter tone film, but just leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. And part of it is while it's serious and there's the, the underlying, you know, uh, tonality and, and seriousness of it and, and, and whatnot. And even in a few places, you could argue slightly creepy stuff. I mean, the way the vision is very protective, almost too much of, of the Scarlet Witch and stuff, you could argue there are many reads you could have yeah. on that. I thought it worked well, and I thought they built a very strong relationship there. Um, but there was the humor. There was the fight scenes. Mm -hmm. There's the bright colors on the costumes. There's the daylight aspect of it. Definitely. There's also the theme throughout of loyalty and friendship. And doing the right thing. Even oh, yes. If, even if people disagree what the right thing is, mm -hmm. all of them were trying to do that. Yeah, all of them were fighting to protect the world, make the world safer. The only disagreement, in all honesty, was how to make the world a better, safer place. When the Secretary of State drops off this, this two-inch thick, you know, here's what they're going to sign in a day or two, uh, to the Avengers, the first thing they do is they talk about it. Yeah. They may disagree. They definitely disagree. But they were actually communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. And that was something in Batman vs. Superman, if the characters of Batman and Superman had just talked for two minutes a couple of times. Yeah. Very different film. Yeah. And it comes down to that's part of why I felt this was a, a much stronger movie, mm -hmm. a much stronger story. And they were able to tell a lot of story. Because it's not one of those where you could look at some of the, the typical action films from like the 80s or whatever. You know, like A Lethal Weapon, A Die Hard, or something of that sort. They're good, they're great, they're fun films. Mm -hmm. But it's basically, okay, introduce the hero, villain does something, you know, a couple of setbacks, whatever, and then you've got the major set piece at the end, yada yada. Action throughout. But here, I mean, there was definite stages of the film. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, we've just started kind of a new little chapter of the film. Yeah. Uh, and I loved that. It was it was great. Um, and again, they things like introducing the Black Panther and stuff. Somebody could come out of this thinking he needs a film, and he does. He's getting one. Whatever. Um, they've they've worked long and hard to to get where they're at in the cinematic universe. Everything from uh, the 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 basic direction they've taken, the 
actors they've chosen, the directors they've chosen, working on the scripts, Mm -hmm. uh, the look and feel of the costumes, the special effects. Um, It's something that they haven't tried to shortcut it, which is, again, I'm seeing Warner try to do that on the DC side. Well, they've got a strength both in the writing and the understanding of their characters. Mm -hmm. So when Tony arrives on that raft prison. The raft, which is from the comics. You know, okay. So he arrives there, the helicopter, and I loved how the helicopter kind of flew in and was hidden away in it. Yeah, you've got this thing that's uh, uh, like a round platform disc that kind of raises up from the middle of the ocean. It uh, hatch kind of opens on the two sides, uh, split semicircle thing. It flies in as the hatch is closing. It lands. The thing will submerge us again. Yeah, I thought that was that was great. Mm-hmm. Okay, as effects go, etc. But as he's going in, and we're seeing all of uh, Captain America's friends imprisoned, for lack of a better description of what's That's going exactly on here, exactly what was happening. You know, all I can think is, okay, so I know what. Uh, Captain America is going to do before this movie's over. You know, I hadn't even thought about that until we hit the end, and it was perfectly in character for Cap to do that. See, I I knew as soon as Tony was leaving, I'm like, so we know Cap can get in and out because we know there's an entrance. Mm-hmm. We don't know how he's going to come and go necessarily, but we know he's going to do this because that is that character. Yeah, you stand by your friends. You know, the whole movie was about loyalty, protection. Absolutely. Doing what's right. So when the movie basically ended with that as part of the end, it was such an upbeat. We are unified, even if we aren't physically standing in the same place together. Well, and again, that goes to your comment I think you had at the end of Batman Superman on just how you end the movie really sets the, the tone you leave with. Definitely. And we ended on... Not even the rescue itself, but the very start of the rescue. So they leave the the, the those Avengers in a, an unknown state moving forward, but also a hey, we've disagreed, but you can call us if you need us. Note between mm-hmm. Tony and and uh, Cap. We end with that. We end with Bucky. Uh, in Wakanda, Wakanda, uh, Wakanda with uh, Black Panther and stuff, and that character kind of getting parked potentially to show up in a Black Panther film. You know, I I thought that was a really interesting place to leave Bucky, and I thought the the path they took Black Panther on over the course of the movie was fascinating. You know, the one thing I would have loved for them to have done in that mid credit scene when they established what's going on with Bucky is if they had done a little before of, of Cap and Bucky kind of leaving and... Uh, Black Panther being there, it's like, okay, we're ready to go kind of a thing. Hey, I can give you a ride. Uh, you drop something, where's your shield? Huh? Left it with the owner kind of a deal. And then in the, the mid credit scene, having Black Panther present Cap mm. with a, another shield. Yeah. Because that was one of the sources he's gotten the shield from in the comics. Interesting. Um, because Cap without the shield. Yeah. You know. I've always assumed he had a few spares lying around, personally. Uh, well, it's a one-of-a-kind uh, mix in the comics. Interesting. Um, no, his, uh, the, the Black Panther character was a lot of fun. Definitely want to see a, a, a film featuring him. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in a number of, of his supporting cast characters or whatever throughout the film. Um, when they're going into the car, Black Widow stopping him, the, the, the lady's like, hey, you know, mm. move or be moved. She's his bodyguard. 
Got it. You know, kind of a thing. And it was just a, a short scene, but it was fun. It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of expecting the end credit scene to tease um, Doctor Strange. Mm. So for it to essentially do Black Panther and Spider-Man, I was I was happy with, but mm-hmm. surprised. Um, when you mentioned earlier that the movie had some good humor. Mm-hmm. I loved when uh, Ant-Man did his opposite of becoming an ant. When he went giant, man. And uh, grabbed hold of Rhodey. Mm-hmm. And Tony's calling out, give me back my Rhodey. Well, the whole scene there in the airport, <laughs> they're doing such property destruction. And nobody, it should have been Tony's like, this is why they hate us. Yes, yes. No, not the plane, you know, type stuff. Personally, I, I thought uh, Ant-Man's uh, best use was... Um, when he was in Tony's armor. Yes, I loved when he went in there. It's like, you're going to have to take this to the shop, you know, just unplugging crap and whatnot. Yes, yes. And uh, I'm your conscience. Yes, that was pretty good, too. <laughs> yes. We don't talk much these days. Yes. There was some very good dialogue. Uh, Spider-Man, same thing. Um, yeah. Just, it, was, it was entertainingly written. It lightened the mood considerably compared to again like a batman superman kind of a thing and it just makes it fun to watch yeah and it they're they're doing a really good job with this and i think they can go quite a ways of maybe rotating in and out different avengers getting to where it's like okay let's recast or maybe do a hey back in the day kind of a thing to to get younger people in over time Mm -hmm. um as long as they can keep up the quality of of the writing which I, i see no reason why they couldn't and continue to pick directors that really get the characters. Mm-hmm. The only thing, if I had to pick something where I thought the movie was a little weak, not majorly, but just a little, and understandably so, because it's Captain America Civil War, I thought the Iron Man armor didn't look as good in this film as it looked in the Iron Man films. I can see that. And not massively yeah. worse, but it just felt a little off. But again, supporting character... You know, kind of a th- not supporting character, but you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. Not title character kind. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. When I loved how uh, Cap's shield went bouncing around, doing kind of a pinball move at times, the boomerang thing. Again, very comic book like, and I loved Spider Man. This thing doesn't even obey the laws of physics. Yes, I um, I loved Falcon's use of his wings. Mm, yes, they really did a great job on that. I yeah. As shields, uh, the introduction of the, the 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 drone Red Wing thing. Yeah, Red Wing in the comics is an actual falcon. Oh, a bird. A bird. Oh, how funny! What do you think, a falcon? A well, fighter I'm, jet I was like, what are you going for with this? I mean, if you mean an actual bird, how is he keeping a bird keeping with him? Uh, he's got a psychic link to the bird. But here, oh, with the computer thing for the drone, it worked really well. Uh huh. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um. I thought Falcon's relationship with Bucky was entertaining, mm-hmm. you know, and I liked Sam very early on with the, you know, where you go, you get shot and where you get shot, I get shot because I tend to go where you go. So yeah. where are we going? I'm buying in on this. But think it through. That's all I ask. Kind yeah. of. Idea. Well, what's fun with those three characters of Cap, Bucky and Falcon is in the comics, all three have been Captain America. Mm. At various times when Steve has either stepped down or died, he's handed it off to one of the other two. How fine. Right now in the comics, it is uh, Sam Wilson, who's Captain America, with Steve Rogers having just come back and they're going to kind of coexist. Oh, interesting. So 
they've got characters that if they were to, to say, okay, let's let's go a different direction with Captain America, they've got two guys they could hand it to, you know, and Falcon probably would be the way they would go. Just because, uh, again, a flying Captain America with the wings and stuff, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Black Widow, well used in this. Um, I've heard talk she may get her own film. It's about time. It's like, why the hell is this taking so long? Come yeah. on, guys. You've had the character around for uh, at least six years, I think, now. Yeah, at least. Uh, wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, Agent 13 was well used. Um, she was in there as uh, kind of sort of the token S.H.I.E.L.D.-esque agent. Yeah. Um, really because of the state of, of the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff and the TV show being kind of sort of underground. They can't... In, they think he's dead. They can't use Phil Coulson. And uh, this is yet another film with no um, uh, uh, Nick Fury, which, you know, makes sense. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like them to get to a point where S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of back in business in the movies. Yeah. And therefore they can kind of stitch all that back together or something. Well, it's funny because Hydra's gone, but they're still dealing with the mess of Hydra. Oh, yeah. This, again, was another, again, Hydra... Hydrabad. Hydrabad. Um, without Hydra, I don't know how much of the Marvel Universe happens in, in the cinematic stuff. Yeah. Because so much of it has been driven by that. Some of it, you got to go back to the World War II days. But even then, if you took all of that out, you, you start getting rid of Cap, Ant-Man, Iron Man. I mean, some of the stuff even with Thor, I think. Um, I would have liked someone at some point during this movie to be on either Skype or the phone with a Banner. I liked how they mentioned if, you know, where is Thor, where is Banner? If I'd lost a, a yeah. you know, a nuclear weapon, there'd be hell to pay kind of a deal. Yeah, and that's why I wish someone had been in contact with Banner and just the implied we may let you think we don't know where he is. I but, think this may tie into the next Thor film. Interesting. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, the other thing we, we, we haven't talked about yet, when Tony was getting introduced, the first scene we get, it, it turns out to be a, a holographic kind of flashback mm. to the last time young teen Tony or whatever saw his parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the few times we've seen the two, uh, Howard and Tony Stark, kind of on screen at the same time. And it was a young... Uh, oh. Robert Downey Jr. Really well done. And I'm assuming they did the same sort of effect they did in Ant-Man at the beginning of that to, to de-age um, uh, Michael Douglas. Yeah, really well done. It was creepily well done. Yeah. Um, so very impressed by that. Whether it was a digital effect or, or what, uh, again, I'd love to see a behind the scenes on that. Yeah. Um, very impressive, just uh, uh, special effects on that. Yeah. But, I mean, they've got like a, a huge army of people working on the film behind the scenes definitely true for practical effects stunts uh, digital effects etc but it pays off it's it, it shows up on the screen yeah yeah you know everything from uh the dozen or so different you know superhero costumes we get here to um the holographic effects with tony's gadgets and crap like that it was they do a good job on this well the other thing i'm only briefly gonna mention um because I annoyed you over our dinner with it slightly. Uh, but Anthony Mackie. I mean, I love what he does with Falcon here mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I'd already thought, good actor, 
love his work. But last night I saw him in the HBO show All the Way mm-hmm. as Martin Luther King Jr., which just seeing that last night and then this tonight reinforced for me. The guy's got range as an actor. Oh, absolutely. He does a, a really good job. But they've gone out of their way to find very talented actors. Yes. Even some of the people that had some fairly small roles in this. Again, Martin Freeman from from Sherlock. Yeah. You know, had some good scenes, but not a, wow, you've got to take this role kind of a thing. Um, and there are a few others they get because I mean, you get Marissa Tomei as, as Aunt May because she's going to be in the next Spider-Man film. You mm-hmm. get um, uh, the guy who played uh, Black Panther, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, so am I. Um, we've seen, I've seen him in other stuff. Great actor and sizable role. Yes. Well, and um, Emily Van Camp, who was the- uh, Agent 13. Um, yeah. And she was Sharon the star Carter. of Revenge. Uh, she was on Brothers and Sisters. She was one of the stars of Everwood. So she's got a lot of TV credits to yeah. her name. No, they, they don't get, you know, uh, bad actors and stuff. You know, and when you've got that many people uh, filling out an ensemble, I mean, this was as much Avengers Civil War as anything else. Yeah. You know, to call it a Captain America film, it was centered on him, but uh, there was so much of the other characters um, that he could have just as easily, like I said, been branded an Avengers film. Well, then I think that's why I've been surprised as we've been seeing all the promotion and everything that because it is technically Captain America Civil War, we're seeing so little in the way of Iron Man stuff come out. I think it makes sense. I think if it had been Avengers Civil War, we would have seen half the stuff be Cap's perspective, half of it would have been Tony's. True. And I I think they made the right marketing decision on that. I think they made the wrong marketing decision uh, announcing Spider-Man ahead of time. That would have been so cool to be blindsided by that in the film. Uh, Using the um, car chase footage in uh, car commercials or whatnot before the film even opened. Yeah. If you want to do that, wait a week or two or something. Well. Um. So I think they 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 could have done a little better here and there, but I mean they have they've got a good film. Chadwick Boseman was Black Panther. What else has he done? It was not who I was thinking that. You are making me test my Google skills. I am. That's what cell phones are for. <laughs> Let me see if I can. Because he it. did an awesome job. I mean, the costume looked great. He had a very commanding presence. Yes, he did. He did. Um, mm. Gods of Egypt, Draft Day 42, which uh, he played Jackie Robinson. Haven't seen 42 yet. Oh, I've seen that. He You've was, told me about it. Yeah, he was fantastic in that. Uh, he did an episode of Fringe. He did an episode of Justified. Did he do an episode of Firefly? No, he wasn't the guy who played the bounty hunter or uh, was in Serenity, no. No, he did an episode of Castle. He did an episode of The Glades. All right. It may just be some of the episodic work I've seen him in. Yeah. He's done an episode of Lie to Me. He's done quite a few guest appearances that you probably recognize him from. All right. Again, definitely a major selling point for a Black Panther film is, is him in it. And the the tease at the end of what Wakanda looks like and stuff. Yeah, I like that. Uh, just seeing the big Panther statue and stuff. It's like, again, they've... They've read the comics, they understand the comics, they get what's cool. Well, and like I said earlier, I really enjoyed the arc that character had of, you know, I I will find the person who killed my father. Yes, going from, yeah, don't bother, I'll kill him. 
to uh, I've been consumed by vengeance enough. Yeah. And when he was stalking very much in a panther like way through the base in Siberia, Mm -hmm. there was part of me that wanted to say, "Okay, come in the room. You're here. I was expecting him to break up the fight between Cap and Iron Man. There was part of me that expected that. There was part of me that expected him to just get the bad guy, gosh darn it, but do something, go somewhere. But then I realized, you know, he was kind of like a cat, just creeping around listening. Yeah. And it was because of that, that he heard that all-important information, that he'd been going after the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And he, part of me was like, okay, you know they're fighting for the wrong reasons, but he went after the bad guy because he trusted cap and iron man to sort their stuff out and if the bad guy got away while they were wasting time on one another they'd be really pissed in the comics black panther would have gone after the bad guy because it was the right thing to do and clearly the others had lost sight of the goal and well to hell with them kind of a deal Mm. almost it's just kind of, he can't be bothered with their petty squabble. He's going to actually stay on mission. Yeah. See, I got the impression it was more of a, it's the right thing to do, and I trust them to deal with themselves the correct way in the end, even if it takes them longer to get there. Again, I didn't read it that way because this Black Panther really didn't know those guys. So I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah, I'm just saying I had a different read. Interesting. Yeah kind of a they're gonna do what they're gonna do i can't stop them i don't want to get in the middle of that this guy needs to be stopped though yeah so uh, again different reads both uh i think equally valid it was again fun film uh i was really pleased it felt like again a lot of story beats in there Mm -hmm. different characters had different arcs there was relationship stuff being built up in some cases broken down there was an aspect of some of this that it's like this could be hard to come back from Yes. Because in the the next Avengers films, which is, I think, Infinity War Part 1, Part 2, if you've got these characters all in the same room, there's going to be some pushback. Yeah, but they made a definite step forward with that olive branch that Captain America sent Iron Man at the end. Well, and I think that's how they get those characters into the same room in the Avengers Infinity War. But there's going to be a couple of times with... You know, is it going to be awkward if, if Rhodey and, and uh, Falcon are in the same room? That kind of deal. Not that it was Falcon who did anything. It was all Vision, but yeah, it was it was Falcon's fault, depending who you ask. Um, again, it was some great choreography on the, the fighting and stuff like that. It was There was a level of thought given to the entire film, not just, hey, here's the plot. Somebody else do the action and we'll, we'll stitch them together or well, something. How many times in a movie has somebody said, hey, do you remember that time when we did this? Or do you remember that scene from that old movie? So, oh, God, I love that with, with Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, he's a little young. <laughs> I didn't carbon date him. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, that was having a young Spider-Man really brings a different dynamic because I was thinking when, when we were seeing Rhodey at the end uh, with his therapy and stuff, how old is that actor? He's not oh. that old. But when you compare him against a, a teenage Spider-Man, well, he kind of is. And it really puts a spin on Bucky and Cap being 100. Yeah. 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 You know? And kudos to the FedEx delivery man. Yeah. That was uh, Stan Lee's cameo and stuff. I, I question somebody of, you know, 92-year-old being a FedEx delivery man. I, 
Guy should have been long since retired, and if it was a heavy package, how would he handle it? But kudos to him for getting it to the door and asking if that was Tony Stank. Yes, I did think that was funny. I loved how Rhodey's not going to let that go. But there's also the aspect of this is the Avengers headquarters, and you can just drive up? Yes. How does this work? Yes. So it was, again, a lot of fun, really enjoyable. Um, they're doing they're doing good work here. Um, Are you afraid of any Marvel movie burnout? And I asked that for a very specific reason. Yes and no. Uh, there are a couple of films they're doing, uh, and there have been a few in the past that I felt this way about of, gosh, that seems risky. Are they going to be able to pull it off? You, and I, I felt that way about Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, to a degree, Captain America. They pulled them all off. So they've got a, a really good track record. But I do think there may come a point where it's like it's just yet another film. Um, but we're not there yet. I lost count of how many trailers they showed before the movie. I did at one point wish that they had given us a uh, checkoff list where you could check, yes, I want to come back for this one and scratch off the ones of, no, okay, I don't need to see that one. would be clever for a movie theater to do. We're going to show you these things, so here's something to take some notes on with a this opens on these dates kind of yeah. deal. Here's the URL for the trailer. Yeah. But we saw the X-Men trailer. Yes. Um, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, which I thought looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they've got a lot of, of cool stuff they're doing. But the very fact that there were two Marvel trailers right before a Marvel movie. Technically, uh, the X-Men one is not Marvel Studios. That's still... Uh, Fox or 20th Century. I never can get that right. Um, so that's kind of the competing franchise of Marvel characters. Okay. Uh, Doctor Strange is the next one in the sequence, I believe. Okay. I'm not sure where like Thor Ragnarok or any of those kind of fall off the top of my head. Um, and likewise, Spider-Man, while well, they've brought him into this universe, uh, is still... Uh, it's. I guess it'd be 20th Century Fox that's doing... Maybe it's Universal. Anyways, whichever studio's doing Spider-Man. They play nice with that studio, at least. Mm-hmm. So I would expect Tony Stark to show up in that film, um, at least as a, a cameo or whatever. That'd be nice. I did think Tony was really quick on getting the guy a new suit. Yeah. It's like, how did that happen? Uh, that would have been a nice kind of mid credit scene, too. Yes. You know, here's your costume. You know, you'll have a costume done by Friday. Friday? But I thought you had, we, we had to fight tomorrow. Friday's my AI. Oh, you know. Yes. Yes. I, the the burnout, I think, is not going to be on the Marvel films potentially, but on superhero films in general. Because in addition to the ones we've, we've mentioned, there's Suicide Squad, there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there's uh, a few others. And what I noticed when we saw the Star Trek Beyond trailer tonight was it's like, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that film is coming out. Yeah. Because some of it they, they tease so far in advance, and it seems like it takes forever for the films to come out. Very true. Um, but there's there's no shortage of things to watch. Uh, if you're a fan of, of comic books, science fiction, you know, whatever. Um, be it in the movie theater or on TV or, you know, if you want to actually read the comics like I do. Um, there's just it's, – it's a great time to be a fan of this material. Definitely. So, and I think, again, Marvel's doing a good job with that. I really wish DC – would uh and warner would would follow suit mm-hmm. and again i think they're just trying to, to shortcut it of hey we've got these characters let's throw them all into this film mm. you know they could do this film with with civil war 
with with Cap, who'd already had two solo films and two Avenger films. Iron Man had had three solo films and two Avenger films. Ant-Man had his own film. Black Widow had been in not only the two uh, Avenger films, but also uh, one of the Iron Man films. Um, let's see. Uh, Vision had only been in, in one of the um, Vision and Scarlet Witch in the last Avengers film. Uh, Falcon had been teased a little at the end of the last Avengers film, but it had been in the previous Captain America film. Mm-hmm. Um, and had the cameo. Cameo in Ant-Man. Ant-Man. You're right. So, I mean, most of these characters. Bucky was in. Uh, Bucky was in Winter Soldier. Uh, Hawkeye, of course, in um, Thor, briefly. Um, and then the the two Avenger films. Um, all of these characters had shown up before, so it's not like a who is that kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, um, again, we get like two introductions here with Spider-Man and, and, and Black Panther. But Batman vs. Superman was trying to introduce Aquaman, Flash, Wonder Woman, uh, uh, Cyborg. And for some of those, like Cyborg, it's essentially a brand new character to most fans. Yeah. I mean, they may know him from the Teen Titans cartoon or the old Super Friends cartoon, but still, it's a lower rung profile. Um, Marvel has, has it, they've spent the time, they've done it right, they've built it up. Well, and in addition to spending the time introducing the main heroes, etc., they've been building these relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think the the relationships really had a lot of payoff in this movie. Well, they build them up and they they call back to them. Yeah. Falcon referenced having been in a man's film. Yeah. You know, there were those things as much of a memory jog as anything else. And those are the things that's, that, that are defining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Versus it's just a string of movies. Yeah. You know, and I think they're really changing the game in terms of, of cinematic universes being a thing now. Well, Scarlet Witch showing up at Peggy Carter's funeral because she knew Captain America wouldn't want to be alone or shouldn't be alone mm-hmm. on that day. You know, even though she knew Sharon Carter was there and she knew that Sam Wilson had gone with him, but she knew he would end up back yeah. there alone. You, They've just done such a good job making these characters three-dimensional people. Yeah, but with Black Widow in particular, she's she's there for Cap. In Winter Soldier, she was pretty much hanging out with him quite yeah. a bit. They're buddy-buddy. Yeah. Um, last of Avengers film, she's she's buddy buddy with with the Hulk. A little more than that, uh, potentially. Uh, first Avengers film, it was it was Hawkeye. You know, she spent a lot of time with Iron Man in those. I mean, she's 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 all over the place. Good spy networks. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And still hasn't had her own film. Unbelievable. Uh, True. Looking forward to to her getting one and stuff. Um, but as she put it in this film, she's someone who reads the terrain. Yes, I was expecting her to kind of switch sides. It took longer for her to do it than than I was thinking. Um, but I didn't feel like she was. I didn't feel her character lacked integrity. I felt it. It was natural for the way the character acted and felt and worked. I felt that her character would always stay. I want to say true to both the truth and the case, whatever they were fighting for. The truth, the case, and in a winning position. Well, if she realized that the side she had chosen wasn't fighting for the truth or to if solve the case. If she was the on case, the wrong side, she'd get off it. Yeah. Absolutely. 
and she was going to help whoever was going to solve the case and fight for the truth. Yeah. And I knew I could count on her to do that. And that's part of what I love about all these Marvel movies is these characters behave the way I think they should and I expect them to. They've done a good job curating the scripts, the directors, and the actors. And the characters have that core to them that they stay consistent with. That core may evolve. It may change. But it doesn't – it's an evolutionary change, not a revolutionary change. You're not like, why is this guy suddenly doing this? It's like, oh, okay, this happened, so therefore they're going to go this way. Uh, That happened, they're going to course correct. Yeah. You know, um, that's something that, frankly, both uh, on the comic side, Marvel, and more importantly, DC could learn from. Mm. And I think DC's trying to kind of course correct in that respect of who are these characters, what are they really, and how do we keep on that path uh, as part of Rebirth. Um, But... And it's one thing to say, okay, you got a two, three hour movie, you're doing a couple of those a year. That's it's very manageable amount of story to maintain. Well, I think that's why a lot of uh, television shows started writing the Bible for their shows. Yes. And that may be something that comic books need to have a Bible for comic characters, at least. At one point when we lived in Southern California, we'd go up to, to Hollywood on occasion. Between there and one or two comic conventions like San Diego Comic Con, I've accumulated a couple of, you know, a collection, small collection of some of these show Bibles. Mm-hmm. And they're fascinating to read because in a paragraph or two, they'll try to sum up this is what the character's about, what they do, what they don't do. You know, if as a writer, here's what you need to know about them. Yeah. And at one, if there's a, a source where I can get more of these, I'd love to. They're, they're fascinating, particularly for like Star Trek shows and things like that. I'd love to get my hands on on that for the next Star Trek show. Mm. Because with those, it's like, this is what Transporter is, here's what we do, we don't do, what it means to be in this world. And I've got to imagine that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has something of that ilk because they know the kinds of stories they they do and don't want to tell. And, in okay, you know, Doctor Strange is going to open this new uh, supernatural uh, magic aspect of the universe, just like Guardians of the Galaxy did a bit more sci-fi alien type stuff. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things that, that – a tonality that fits the Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Again, that brighter, happier, even if it's dark, serious, and a little, you know, uh, I don't say morose or challenging or whatever at times. Bad things can happen, but there's still a, a, a spark of light even within some of that. Yeah. Rhodey was cracking some jokes at the end, even after stuff he'd gone through. Yeah. Um, that's something, again, the, the DC Warner Brothers uh, – side could work on on the on the movies yeah so ton of fun uh highly recommended definitely picking this up on blu-ray uh we'll watch it again uh when i get that at some point um may rewatch the the second avengers film right before watching it i could go for that just because uh good to to kind of get back into okay this is how they get the vision scarlet witch introduced okay let's follow their arc a bit more um totally great film uh, to watch here at some point, there's going to be a bump in the road on the Marvel Cinematic Films. If it's not too serious, not a big deal. If it's serious, then the importance of the next film goes up. Mm. Because then, off oh, two in a row. That's when I think you're going to get the, read the press of, oh, it's over, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. But doing two, three films a year, manageable. They can keep close enough eye on it as long as they've got talented people working on it, which they do. Um, they can keep this going, I think, for quite some time. 
That'd be nice. Anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.